So this pa- just this past week, somebody put on my Facebook, or on their Facebook, and I saw it, they asked the question, they're like, what is the movie that you absolutely must stop and watch if you see that it's on TV? And, and I was like, wow, just one? There's not just one. There's lots of them. Um, you know, if, if I see that Christmas Vacation is on TV, I'm going to stop and watch it. Or Steel Magnolias, love me some Steel Magnolias. Um, Forrest Gump, gotta watch Forrest. Um, another one, Tommy Boy, critically acclaimed. Critically acclaimed in, in its, its comedy. But you know what? My very first response before all of those was Field of Dreams. That is one of my all-time favorite. It's just so perfect. It's in the Midwest. It has to do with baseball, and it is a great movie. And have you seen where the Yankees and the White Sox are going to be playing next August? No? Check it out. White Sox, big crowd on hand. Let's do it. August of 2020, the White Sox and the Yankees are going to be playing there. Now, I wish it was two different teams. Um, I don't really care about either of those teams. But they're going to be playing in a newly constructed ball field right where the movie site ball field is. It's actually in Dyersville, Iowa. So there's a bit of trivia that will impress all your friends. But you might wonder why, or at least I did, why aren't they just using the field that they built? Because it's actually there. It's a tourist attraction now. Why aren't they building the original one? Well, little known fact that that field doesn't meet MLB standards. And they'd be knocking home runs into those cornfields all day long. So in the new stadium, though, you can kind of tell at the very end of that video, they're going to build a path through the cornfield, though, from the old site where the movie was filmed to the new um, ballpark that they're going to build. And here's a really, really cool feature. In right field, they're going to have a wall, and there's going to be windows in the wall so that you can see the cornfield. Um, so that is so awesome. And now if you want to go, you better be quick on the draw when it comes to getting tickets because they're only going to be able to hold 8,000 fans <laughs> in that stadium. Um, and the stadium's supposed to pay homage to Chicago's uh, Kaminsky Park, which was home to the White Sox from 1910 to 1990. And was also, for a time, the home for uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson. That And Shoeless Joe plays a pretty significant role in the movie Field of Dreams. So the question, though, will people come? Oh, 
People will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Well, there you have it. I guess they will come. So, <laughs> if you build it, Ray, people will come. And let me tell you, the Major League Baseball men, they are banking on that same strategy next year, that people will actually come to see that game. And, and you know what? For just decades and decades, the church has operated in, in such a similar fashion. Uh, you know, if you build a church and you open the doors on Sunday morning, people will come. And, and that worked very well, uh, especially, you know, in the 1950s and 60s. But what we're seeing today is it's just really not a strategy that's very effective anymore. And uh, so that's what we're talking about. And for those of you who might not know me, my name is Robin Miller, and I'm lead pastor here at Woods Chapel. And we are going into week two of our sermon series that's called Tangible Kingdom. And it's actually based off a book by the same title, and not only a book, also a small group study. So you can dive into it a little bit more. But the, the whole premise of the study in the book is you know, what is the church supposed to be about? How are we supposed to be church in the world? And so in essence, it's kind of like how to make God's kingdom tangible to people. And, and I got to say, I do believe that people are desperate for the kingdom of God to be felt in tangible ways. I mean, people might not use that language or they might not even realize it, but I do think we live in a culture that is just desperate for that tangible feel of God's kingdom. They want to know that God is at work in this world and that God wants a relationship with them. So how do we do that? You know, how do, we, how do you show people that? And, and I believe that it starts uh, with a way of understanding what the church is supposed to be about. All right, when, and when we understand that, you know, this is the true purpose, the true mission of the church. I, you know, I think Jesus taught us that. And, and I think the early church lived into that beautifully. And, and if you were here last week, we, when we started this conversation, I introduced a new term to you. Um, it was the word missional. It was one of those really churchy seminary words. You know, it was a word that um, cost me a lot of money. Uh, to go to seminary to learn it, you get it for free kind of things. Um, but we talked about how missional means to go, to, to, to go out. And we talked about how missional has a sentness kind of associated with it. And if you remember, we, we used Abraham as the example. You know, he was sent by God to a place that was unknown. God's like, just get up and go. When you get there, I'll let you know. You can put your stuff down. But it was a place that was flowing with milk and honey, evidently, a really cool place to go. Um, we talked about how Jesus just had this way. He would walk up to complete strangers, and he would say, you know what? I want you to drop your nets, and I want you to come and follow me. <laughs> and they would. That's what they would do. They would pick up and go with him. And uh, and, and Jesus, you know, when the time came and the disciples were being sent, you know, he sent them out, 
right? He didn't say, just stay here. People will come to you. No, he, he sent them out. And, and so, you know, while build it and they will come might have worked for baseball and it worked for the field of dreams and it, hopefully it'll work for major league next year. It just doesn't work for churches. Uh, and, and it's not biblical, right? At the very core of Jesus's ministry was this idea of being missional, of, of going and being sent and this missional call is the call of every single Christian, every one of us. Now, sometimes that call can, it can, you know, send people off into some really strange or even offensive behavior. Um, and, you know, sometimes for the sake of mission, um, some people can threaten violence or they have these hate-filled messages. And, and that is not the answer. Violence is not the answer. Hate-filled messages do not bring people closer to Jesus. Um, I remember when I was in seminary, we lived down in Webster Groves, which was close to the city. It wasn't too far from the St. Louis Zoo. And one day, uh, we had a, I don't know, they were some kind of anti-abortion activist that was, they were coming through the area, and, and again, I lived on campus with my five-year-old and my seven-year-old, and we were on our way somewhere, and these, they, this group, they had trucks, like box trucks, and there were pictures on the box trucks. And they were pictures that were really not appropriate for any child to see because it was just pretty vivid pictures. Thank you. Thank you very much. So we happened to be driving off somewhere from our, from our campus. And so we're in the car. I'm with my two kids. And we drove by a picket line. They were just out in the middle of town, and they got really close to our car, and they're shoving their posters in front of the windshield, and again, the posters, not appropriate for any child to see, and they were screaming at us. They're like, God hates killers, and you're going to hell, and I'm like, I'm just going to the grocery store. You know, just let me out. I'm just going to the grocery store, but you know, those harsh-filled words spoken in such a way, just universally, without tact, it, it, it's almost like a fire burning outside of a fireplace. It, it can just, it, it can cause damage. And, and so missionality by itself can at times hurt the cause of Christ more than it helps. And that's why missional has this inseparable twin. And the word is called incarnational. All right, so incarnational, you know, missional and incarnational. These are actually uh, two wheels on the same bicycle. You, you need both if you're going to go anywhere. You really do. And incarnational is another one of those churchy words. You know, it's kind of one of those seminary words. But what it means literally is to take on flesh. All right, and so, it, and as Christians, right, as Christians, we believe that Jesus was God incarnate. 
right? Jesus, in other words, was God made flesh. He was God. Jesus was God in human form. That's one of the tenets of our faith. And one of the best scriptures that describe this incarnational understanding of Jesus um, is from John chapter 1, the Gospel of John. I wanted to read that for you. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning, and everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being, though, through the Word, was life. And the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. And then skipping down to verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Now, that was a different version. There's another version called the message version, and I love the way they say that last verse. And in that version, it says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. That is incarnational. So if missional means to go and to be sent, then incarnational is how we are supposed to go. It, it's... It's what we want people to see in us as, as we go. All right, so this idea of incarnational, it kind of encompasses, you know, our, our posture. It, it encompasses the, the tone of voice we use or the motives behind what we're doing. It, it, it shows our heart. Okay, so, you know, build it and they will come. That that's not how you reach people. <laughs> not today. You actually, you got you to gotta go. All right? But how you go is critical. It, it's so important that our actions are incarnational. And, and hear me clearly. It's not that we become God. Right? Only Jesus did that. No. But we, we, bec we take the posture of Jesus. We become Christ-like, that's how Paul would say it, as we go into the world, right? All right, so how do we do this? If we know that, you know, the answer here is build it and they will come, that just doesn't work, that's not how you reach people, we need to go out in the world, we need to do that incarnationally, then how do we do it? What does it look like when you go into the world incarnationally, when you go with the posture of Christ? Well, well, here's where I think two of famous lines from the movie, The Field of Dreams, really just kind of make a great point. So we're going to go with the theme of that for just a moment. And there was this one scene where Ray, he's being called to build that baseball field. Build it and they will come. They were talking about building the baseball field. And he hears this voice. It's like whispered in his ear. It's like, go the distance. Actually, it's more like, go the distance. It's kind of freaky. It was a little weird. I mean, have you ever, I mean, you've got to see this movie. If you have never seen this movie, I want you to go home today 
and watch it or watch it tonight. It is a fantastic, it's a classic, it's a classic. But anyway, the voice tells Ray, go the distance. And so going the distance, when you think about that and what that means, going the distance means that you see something to the end, right? You don't go halfway. You don't go three quarters of the way. You go the distance with someone. And sometimes it means going out of the way. Sometimes to go the distance, you got to go a way you didn't anticipate. And, and that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was constantly going the distance with people. He was going out of the way for people. And, and as Jesus was going the distance, I mean, these powerful stories of healing and transformation would happen along the way. And I, I think that's so cool because, you know, oftentimes, you know, we expect God to show up in the spiritual times, right? I mean, hopefully you expect God to be here. We expect God to show up, you know, in the sermon, during the music, in our prayer time, in our small groups. I mean, that's where, this is where God heals us and, and, and teaches us and, and, and comforts us and speaks to us, or at least that's what we think. And yet, when you look in the Gospels, there are countless Countless stories of, of Jesus going the distance with people, not staying put, but going, and sometimes going out of his way. And, and the people of Jesus' day, they saw the power of these early communities, and, and, and they encountered Christ around tables, and, and they encountered him sitting on hillsides listening to him preach, and they encountered him walking along a road, and standing on the shore, or even getting some water from a well. I mean, some of the most powerful stories of encountering the divine and experiencing transformation actually happened along the way as Jesus was going the distance. That idea of going the distance, it, it reminded me of... One of the guys in, my, in our small group, um, I love my small group. We're going to start back up here in another couple of weeks, and I can't wait. But there's this one guy, he's a police officer, and his job takes him into some places of Kansas City that most of us would not want to go during, during the day, much less at night. But, you know, he's made the decision. Of course, this is his job. We get that. But he has, got, has to go the distance oftentimes. But the way he goes the distance, he said, I have so many opportunities. I see things most people don't see. And I have this chance, especially with repeat offenders. He was like, I can actually start to pray for them. And I pray for their community, and I pray for their home life, and I pray for the ones who have been victimized. And he said, it's this unique way for me to pray that a lot of people don't ever get the chance to see or even think about. And so as he's doing his job, he actually goes a little further. He goes out of his way, goes the distance to pray for those that most of society would rather keep off on the side. And I, and I love that story. I think it's going the distance. So why do we do this? Well, there's another famous line from the movie that I, 
I think really does get to the heart of why. Why we go the distance. Why is it important to go out of our way? But in the movie, there's another whispered voice that Ray hears, and it says, ease his pain. And, you know, we go the distance. We go out of our way like Jesus did as a way to help ease the pain of those in need. I'm telling you, you got to watch this movie. There's so many theological things in there, or at least I'm making them theological. But it's a great point. And you see this in Scripture, too. We're there to ease the pain of those who hurt. In John, I read from the book of John earlier, chapter 1. If you go a few verses or, or chapters over, rather, to chapter 8, there is this powerful story of a woman who was caught in adultery. All right, and the religious guys, they're all, people, she's in the middle, and people have just swarmed around her in a circle because they're getting ready to stone her to death. And the religious guys, they're using her sin to try and test Jesus because according to Old Testament law, Jesus was expected to condone her death by stoning. That's what you did. You got caught in adultery. You are going to get rocks thrown at you till you die, to the point, not like little pebbles. We're talking big stones and until you died. But Jesus didn't do that. He, he chose another way. Do you remember what he did? I mean, a powerful story. What Jesus did is he, he physically postured himself down to her level. Um, he got down with her. And in essence, what he's doing is he's advocating for her. And, and an advocate, an advocate is one who, who looks, you know, kind of past the behavior and looks past the vices and the sin and the fragility and the brokenness and all of that. And instead, what an advocate does is they, they're focused on building trust and friendship first. And, and so Jesus, he kind of postures himself and he gets down on her level. And if you remember, they talk about how he was drawing in the sand, but he got down close to her. I imagine she was probably down, just kind of hovered, trying to cover her head. And so Jesus, he puts himself on her level. And when he's down there with her, she, she can probably hear his voice a little easier. She can hear him breathe. Maybe actually feel the presence of him as he's drawing. I mean, it's just such an incredible story on so many levels. And I think for me, the most powerful revelation is that, you know, the God of the universe, right? So the God who ultimately should really be the one offended. I mean, after all, she's the one who broke God's Old Testament uh, commandment, you know. But God literally lowers himself to be with her. To be close to her, to advocate for her, to be her protector and even her friend in that moment. And yeah, he challenges her lifestyle and asks her to stop, but not until he has postured himself as her advocate. So what he does is he addresses her head only after he has her heart. So Jesus' posture really communicated love 
first and foremost. And in doing so, that eases her pain. She doesn't feel so alone. So, you know, when we're going into the world, you know, when we're being missional, and, we, and when we do that with this changed posture, right, one that's incarnational versus judgmental, it changes things. And, you know, when we're serving others, when we're talking to others, you know, our posture of how we communicate, you know, that, that we're someone who's on their side, that we will advocate for them, that is how we actually enter into their world. And this is so important because I think so many people who are outside of the church, they look on the inside and they feel like we're filled with a bunch of judgy, hypocritical people. And I would say in some cases, and in many cases in churches across the landscape, they might be right. And that is why we try our very hardest to be so different here at Woods Chapel. You know, we made the decision a long time ago that we were going to be different. You know, we decided we're going we're gonna to go the distance for people and we'll go out of our way if that's what it takes. But we want people to know when, you know, when they get here or when we get there to him that we have done what we can to try hard to ease that person's pain. And, and the way we do that isn't first by telling them what they've done is wrong. <laughs> you know, I, do you know, you think of single mom who maybe made some choices that weren't easy? You think by telling her that how hard it is to raise kids alone, you think that's the way to go about building trust? Or do you think addicts don't realize at some level how chained they are to their drug? So much so that they'd be willing to destroy everything they have for just one more hit, one more fix. But instead of telling them what they probably already know, what we try to do is meet people on their level. We want them to know first and foremost that they are included and they are accepted and they are loved by God. And that no matter what they've done, where they've been, what they've not done, God wants a relationship with them. And we can do that when we're able to take the posture of Jesus Christ when we reach out to others. So how do we change our posture to become more Christ-like and incarnational as we do this, as we go the distance to ease the pain of those who are hurting? Well, you know, it, it's not going to change just by hearing a sermon or just by being part of a, a program or a ministry or just by being in a small group. I mean, for our posture to change, our hearts must change. And our hearts change only after we've been around people for whom we will eventually advocate. And Jesus modeled this. In Matthew chapter 9, when he saw the crowds, it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
And that is why missions are such a part of what it means to be church. I mean, because for us, I mean, this is our vehicle. This is our vehicle for being sent out into the world and to be Christ-like in our posture. And in one, that, in one way in particular that's coming up, uh, our ministry that we're calling Difference Makers, it, it's a reading and kind of a math buddy ministry with Laurel Hills in Raytown. And, and you know, this is not just an opportunity to volunteer to help the school. All right, and then this is not a, a book exchange where we're going to give books to kids. This is a chance for us to take on the posture of Jesus, to, to work one-on-one -on -one with a child to let them know that they matter. To let them know they matter. You know, if you want an authentic heart for the people outside the church, you got to be with them. And as they grab your heart, your posture will change. And the kingdom of God will be just a little more tangible. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the many stories of how you went out into the world. You went the distance, you went out of your way to ease the pain of those who hurt. Not once did Jesus just stay in the temple and wait on them to come to him. He went to where they were. And instead of judging them from the first step, he got down on their level. He tried his best to understand their pain. And in that kind of posture, people's lives were transformed. And so God, as your church, as your people called Woods Chapel, help us to do that same thing. This is a people who love to go out. We love to serve and we love to do so in a Christ-like manner. So God, give us the courage that we need. Help us to be aware of those times when we need to maybe just take that posture and just give us that chance to show Christ, to be Christ to someone who needs it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.